0: Brother
1: by feet Moses,
0: when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill-treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak? And Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. release, that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and scourging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy. their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made
2: Be attentive.
1: Glory to you, glory, glory to you. At that time, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the so the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man.
2: He speaks; to you, who proclaims the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So as many of you know, a few weeks ago, my grandfather passed away. Neil, could we turn it down just a little bit? Thank you. A few weeks ago, my grandfather passed away. I'll just, I'll turn it off, or we can turn it down quite a bit. Is that better? There we go. So a few weeks ago my grandfather passed away and um, so I've been thinking a lot about family. The family that I had for so many years with my grandfather and the family that I continue to have with my children. And I was thinking about my family tree and those ancestors before. So I I ask that you bear with me for a little um, exercise, if you will, if you would close your eyes. And just think of your own family tree. Think of all those people in your immediate family, the people that are before that, extending all the way back to where families cross over in their family trees, and your entire family surrounding you. And all of those faithful and devout people in your family, they're all cheering you on, saying... Finish the race. You can do it. Keep going. Stay strong. And all of those people around you are cheering you. Now open your eyes. You see, as Christians, our family is far greater than just the family that you are thinking of. We're surrounded by a far greater family. As you look around now with your eyes open, you can see that family because that family, of course, extends to every single person here in this church and every person in every church, and all of those are part of our living family. But our living family is actually far greater than that because we have the innumerable members of the body of Christ who have gone on before us who have passed from this life into that next life. And we have just a very small number of those as depicted on the icons around you. But all of this, truly all of this, is our great family. And all of this family celebrates the Divine Liturgy, the Mystical Supper. All of us are celebrating together. Millions and millions of members of the body of Christ. And of course, by God's grace, one day when the church here is complete, we'll have a witness of those saints all along the walls, on the ceilings and everywhere. Then we'll know that our church is fully complete when we have that. Now this is what St. Paul talks about in his epistle today. As we hear in the epistle, he says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of sword. One's strength through weakness became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept their leave, that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mockings and scourgings, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy." I read much of that epistle again to you just now to hear about your own family members, to hear about the amazing acts that they accomplished by God's grace. These are our family members. And they're the ones that are depicted around us. They are my brother and sister. They are my father. They are my mother. Just in the same way as my earthly family is my family. You see, today we celebrate... What happened over 1,200 years ago, what we call the triumph of orthodoxy, and this is when the, the church finally freed herself of this heresy of iconoclasm, which literally means icon smashers. And iconoclasm, unfortunately, still continues in the greater Christian world. But here in the Orthodox Church, more than 1,200 years ago, we had this triumphant renewal of the icons. The Church once again said that these are objects of veneration, just as the Holy Cross or as the Bible is. But ultimately, the triumph of Orthodoxy on that day, on this day, every Lent, and every year, that triumph is not simply about icons, about wood and paint. It's a triumph of family over death. That's the triumph of orthodoxy. To realize that our family extends beyond death. The icons are not simply objects of veneration, but they are testaments. They're testaments to our family members. When we look at an icon, I care of St. Catherine. This is wood... But that's not the point of this. That it's a piece of, of wood and of paint, but that there is a person here who is a member of my family, who is a member of your family. So what does this mean for us? It means that they are alive. Just as by God's grace, I pray that my grandfather is alive. All of those people, the faces that you you saw in your mind's eye as you were imagining your family tree, all those people, by God's grace, through our prayers, might be alive in Christ, those who are the faithful and righteous before us. So icons state this profound truth that we are family by flesh and blood. We think of our flesh and blood family, but we are family, flesh and blood, with all of these saints and all of the righteous before us. Why? Because we partake of the same flesh and blood, our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we partake of that body and blood, then we have that body and blood in us, as do all of the saints. So they are our flesh and blood in the same way as our family. So icons continue to testify of this truth. Now later today, of course, we'll solemnly go around the church. This year with the weather, it'll just be the children going around the church, bearing these icons. And as we bear these icons, what are we saying? Christ has conquered death. Because again, this is a triumph of family over death. We bear these icons to say, these are our family, and they are alive. They are alive. So now everything that I've said, I think that we all can accept intellectually. We can understand that, yes, these are alive, they are alive in Christ. We can say, yes, these are all images, depictions of real people who are a part of our family. But the question really remains, how does this dwell in our hearts? Because, of course, family is a matter of the heart. When my grandfather passed away, I was pained in the heart. And the only thing that brings joy is the thought that, by God's grace, I might be reunited with him someday. So this this sensation that I have in my heart should be the same towards the saints. Is that true for us? I confess for myself I struggle with that. And all of us, I'm sure, struggle in some way with how the saints become family members in the same way that my children, my wife, my family, all of them are family members. How do we do that? i will offer some ideas for that. First of all, pray to God. Say, God, you know that these are my family members, but I'm estranged from them. Can you please help me to warm my heart towards this family that I've been estranged from? Of course, we can pray to them. We can pray Akathis, we can pray Paraklesis services. Another very powerful way is to ask them for something specific. Say, you know, St. Potoscovy, heal me of this illness. And as these things happen in our lives, our heart begins to warm. Our heart begins to grow a little bit. And we can also celebrate the feast days. We celebrate our family members' birthdays and hopefully their name days. We should be celebrating all of our family's days. This is the day that they were born into eternal life. Why wouldn't we celebrate these days? This is how we can, again, kindle that fire in our heart for the family that exists all around us. We can also visit their holy sites. We are blessed to have a saint that's relatively nearby, St. John Maximovich, St. John of Shanghai in San Francisco. And his very body, his incorrupt relics are in San Francisco. You can go there. You can venerate his relics. You can pray to him. You can write a little letter to him and leave it with him. And there are countless examples of people whose whose letters have been answered by St. John. These are things that we can do to instill this in our hearts. And of course, importantly, we can adorn our whole lives with their images. We can adorn our homes, we can adorn our work... You know, uh, Bill Marianas was here, was it last weekend, I think, and he did the Theology 101. He gave this wonderful talk, and one of the things he said is, in his office, he has icons. And you know, of course, in a corporate office, it's not good to have religious depictions and all of these things. You know what he said? These are pictures of my family. Are they not? Do we really believe that? Or do we say, oh, well, this is a religious object, and so maybe I shouldn't have this up. If these are truly family members, do we have pictures of our loved ones? We should have pictures of our greater loved ones as well. Now, all of these things are so that our heart can be kindled with that same fire of love that we have towards our family members that we can see here on earth, and our family members who have departed this life more recently. And I pray that on this Sunday, of the triumph of orthodoxy, we may remember it's not a triumph of icons only. It's a triumph of family over death. And how do we become family members of that great body of Christ? And to Him be glory. Amen.